Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. My name is Richard Svarsson and I'm joined today by Paolo Kohi of Acousmatics and my colleague Chris Eels, who's not wearing denim today. My day off. Yes. So I, th- I thought, um, gentlemen, we're in Paris. There's quite uh, been quite a lot of news this week uh, coming especially in relation to the nuclear plants and, and the the European pressurised reactors. There's been some news on this. Paolo, if I can start by asking you, what, what's your assessment of the delays and the cost overruns now? The latest ones are Flamengo. I mean, does, did this take you by surprise? To be honest, no. no. They didn't take me by surprise because these are very large engineering projects and so you have to put that into account. That is why they go with usually very low bids to win the project and then they sort of adapt the budget a little bit as it comes. But even knowing the nature of the beast, so to speak, effectively what is happening with the, you know, the EPR reactors in Europe, and it could be Hinkley, it could be Flamanville, it could be Oliquoto, mm-hmm. they are just you know, uh, first in class when it comes to uh, you know, having you know, new, new budgets, uh, higher budgets each time. You know, any way you want to look at it, more cost is eating into the profit of the whoever invested in uh, you know subscribe to this investment you know mm. whether it's the French state whether it's the you know indirectly the other EDF shareholders and so on and so forth and uh, these delays will eat into profit there's no doubt about that mm. what was the news that came out this week then well, Chris? the news was that they, yeah the news was that they uh, decided that uh, to to carry out repairs on the welds these eight defective welds it would cost them another 1.4 billion euros and I think that was the correct figure. And um, they also said that fuel loading began at the end of 2022. Now, um, What they said previously? I mean, well, I mean, the last thing they said in July, they said that this, this reactor would not start up before the end of 2022. There's a bit of uh, a grey area about when you talk about a startup and when you talk about fuel loading. So just to be clear about this, this reactor at the moment isn't actually going to start up until probably mid-2023. Mm. The date they've given is for fuel loading end of 2022. Uh, so it's a new date in a way, in a way it is, and it's more costly than they thought. Yes. So that's the news. That is the news. And, and, and you know, they usually come in pairs. It takes mm. longer and it costs more, right? Mm. So it's like mm. a, du- a double whammy. And as I said, it, yeah, I mean, if we look at Hinkley, I think before this last... Because at Hinkley, there was, there's also a new budget, a new of estimate. Course, mm. Of course, right. And then when it's not the welding, it's some other uh, some, some other problem. But yeah, I, I, I joined some numbers. Hinkley went from just in the last couple of summers, really from summer 17 onwards, from 18.1 billion they added a billion and a half. I like it when I can talk about billion. Yeah. Then another <laughs> pocket point money. now. Pocket money now, for you, so, and, then, and then interestingly, they, they give a range of what it might cost uh, mm. in the future, right? It's between something and 22.5. Mm. Now, if experience is, is telling us anything, is that there is a, an inherent bias in these things. I personally believe it unlikely that they're going to do something sooner and that their estimate additional costs are actually going to be mm. inferior Right. If something happens, is it going in the wrong side? Right. So mm. maybe even the twenty-two point five billion is a bit conservative. Mm. Uh, although I'm sure that they've done all their calculations, and, and so far the number is the right one. I've said that there is a, a, a timeline, a slightly different timeline. But do you think this will actually lead to a further delay? Because the other news was that EDF said we have a plan B if ASN does not accept 
mm. uh, using the robots. Uh, yeah, but, but that's an important element, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's if they accept the robots, it's six months, yeah. and if, if they, they don't, if they don't, it could be an extra year. Correct, and, yeah. but it, it's not their decision. And this, I think, exemplifies how difficult it is to pull these projects off mm. in time and on budget, mm. right? If not impossible, you, you know, this is like textbook. EDF must assess the problem, right? That takes time. Mm. After assessing the problem, they must think of a solution, test it, mm. and devise it and propose it to the ASN, right? Mm. So in this case, they've got a three-pronged approach. If one doesn't work, you know, there's another one, and the ASN will, will decide. And so they're giving the impression that they're not resting on their laurels, so to mm. speak. You know, it's mm. being uh, uh, unintentionally ironic. <laughs> but, um, mm. but, but, you know, they're working hard, and yet the nature of the process is such that they have to wait for the ASN. You know, robots will be employed. You know, many times this is the first time such a problem has to be solved. That's what also makes it so difficult. Mm. So I would, if, if I had to, if it was a yes or no, type mm. of answer, do you think they will ultimately uh, be delayed a bit more? I would say yes. Yeah. yeah. And how long would that delay be? Six months, a year? I mean, it's... Honestly, it's, I do not have a precise estimate, but then if everything else that we s- uh, said stands, it mm. wouldn't be a two-week delay, right? No, 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 it, no, it, would no. be, it would be several months. On that point, there is another deadline, which I think is 2024, if I'm right, for the lid of the pressure vessel. Because they've talked about the lid being only in can only be in service for a number of years. Is that a, do you know whether that's a deadline from the? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it? I mean, does it mean that we can use we, that lid could be in place uh, for four years after the EPR has started up, or does it? Is it actually twenty twenty four, and then we have to change the, They have to change the lid. To be uh, honest with you, I don't. No. I don't have a precise estimate mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not looking yeah. to that. But but when you're saying Hinkley, the numbers there, and that's. I mean, they've just basically done the groundwork there. Yeah. Flum and Bill, they've, they've come obviously a lot, lot further. Yeah. But with Hinkley, it's it's eighteen billion pounds. Was it or was that in euros? It's supposed to be now. Uh, and now two point. I think it's euros. Mm. Okay. No, maybe it's pounds. Sorry, mm. but just but that's so that's already. 30%, 40 percent, forty percent, twenty-five, thirty percent. Yeah, my maths is not always that great. No, no, but it's uh, yeah. So twenty-five percent, thirty percent over budget, and it hasn't, they haven't really got going as such. No, yet. exactly, no. exactly. Mm. And so again, um, see, they with, with these new designs, the APRs, they're going for economies of scale. So they're mm. doing larger size. These are sixteen hundred, roughly, in nameplate. Mm not 900 right mm-hmm. they they will pay less in maintenance once mm-hmm. they get going you know they mm-hmm. will have you know advantages from having chosen this design once they get going mm-hmm. but until then it becomes a little bit of a nightmare because every problem already a difficult problem because of what we're, we're dealing with mm-hmm. it's a difficult and slightly larger than before problem mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so this is not helping them now with these you know matters of budget and, and timing mm. but in the long term you know if they're successful in their projects you know this will be a sort of a bad memory if they mm. don't overdo it i guess mm. um, but who i mean who would look at uh, these projects there's this three key epr projects say that's that's the energy solution for my country you know yeah. several billion uh, over budget yeah delays of massive amounts of years i mean you know, where are the potential customers and clients for such such? Well, w- one, one thought is, again, I think that the, the France and the French like to think big and have big ideas and, and long-term views. So they've had the vision 
to go nuclear. Mm. You know, they made a decision at the country level, it's not by chance that today 75% of their electricity is generated by nuclear sources. And that is very useful today, but first of all, it's been a quite a reliable source of cheap power once you've sunk a lot of money in the ground. Mm. Um, it, it comes useful today because it doesn't produce CO2, right? At a time when, as we've seen in other countries, some decisions are clearly being, being uh, deemed the wrong ones. Um, mm. I would like to mention what is happening with Poland. And, of course. Um, and I was going to ask you about that, Paolo, because yeah. you were the author of a, of a report that was, uh, was published this week um, about Poland and, and the state utility there and the lignite mine. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're facing these decisions and not, and not just in Poland you know you could see that as the breath you know air pollution um, new standards came in mm. a few years back forcing utilities to basically come up to speed in terms of the equipment they use or stop generating right some some utilities have clearly made a decision to go green to invest more in, in, in renewables, mm. which in periods of high prices are, have, are generating more revenues, right? Because they don't have the CO2 cost, mm. right? And other companies or industries have not, and Poland is such a case. I don't think that staying with nuclear today is a bad decision for mm. France mm. As, as such. We also know that you know, when Hollande was around, he had promised a certain decrease in the, mm. you know, in how much the country was dependent on nuclear and a certain timeline. We know that uh, Macron has come in and said, yes, of course, we remain committed to decreasing our dependency, but not so fast, right? Mm. And so, and, and yet, you know, there will be there will be closures, but I don't think the country will change and switch on its, you know, sort of vocation to to nuclear. Mm. What is for sure. But what for sure needs to happen, and we've seen this in other, everywhere in Europe, whether it's again countries or single companies, it's they need to switch to renewables and to invest more in renewables. And you know, if you look at what what kind of news and what kind of analysis is done on EDF, there is talk of you know plans being drawn to split EDF or to have a sort of an EDF uh, blue or you know renewable mm. EDF, you know, a la you know, sort of a Uniper, RWE type, mm. type of type mm. of one. Um, Uniper, yeah. yeah. But it, mm. it, it should also be mentioned that, you know, if you look at the last financial result from EDF, the, the first semester of 2019, they have maintained their EBITDA guidance, right? And this is in a year where they've gone, it has been lower hydro year on year. So, you know, they are getting performance from their nuclear units. Mm. Um, you know, there is hope, but you don't want to, you know, you don't want to, have this buffer become too too thin exactly and, and and you know as we've mentioned previously on this podcast that you know the reactors aren't getting any younger and there's no, probably more and, more and more and and the scrutiny on them post fukushima is probably going to become ever greater correct um, wouldn't you say Pablo? There, there is a very interesting point here and once again it testifies to you know how the french think and act and the decisions they've made for this industry so the nuclear the lifetime of a nuclear reactor is let's say 40 years, you know, the 40 years don't start from the beginning. Mm. There is a start of a plant and then there is a 10 year review, a revision de Senat. Then there is a, which, where you get a stamp that approves it for another 10 years Mm. and the stamp that improves it for another 10 years and so forth until you have the fourth visit de Senat. And that is the one, which is the most important, right? Bar the first perhaps, Mm. where you're actually saying, based on the results of this visit, we agree to release another 10-year continual stamp 
Mm. But this is the one that's going to go beyond the 40 years, mm. right? So mm. they're going to be extremely careful uh, mm. when, when, they, when they do these visits, when they release the approval. So getting this approval is crucial. I reckon about half of EDF's fleet will have to have this fourth visit Mm. Uh, between now and 2025. Mm. So it's a crucial time coming up. EDF was in the news this week about a potential split, wasn't it? Could you just that, update us on that? That's right. Uh, I think EDF's um, CEO, John mm. Bernard Levy, wrote a letter to staff in which he said that uh, their proposal to uh, reorganize, restructure EDF um, would not be submitted to the government as planned by the end of this year. Instead, it would happen possibly in the spring. The context of that news is a recent protest from the unions, the energy unions in France, who four of the biggest are calling strikes and called one uh, in mid-September, which was well supported, relatively speaking. Um, they claim they had nine gigawatts of cuts. And that, I think, is possibly, possibly having an impact on government thinking. That's some observers believe that has some kind of sway. The unions are very upset about this plan, which would effectively, they say, split EDF up and uh, something they're very much against. The reason given uh, for this delay in submitting the proposal was that the French uh, government is currently in negotiations with the European Commission over the ARIN regulated rate at which EDF sells its nuclear supply and that these discussions are still taking place. But uh, so that, that was, that's the context of, of, of the news So uh, about EDF split, but it would be interesting to know. But also I'm, I'm quite interested, sorry to, to, mm. to, to butt in here, but I think where does this leave EDF if it's going to have to spend 1.4 or 1.5 even uh, fixing these wells? It doesn't leave it with a lot of resources to, to expand renewables, which the country needs to do or, or you know, which are part of the, the aims of 2030 targets in a sense. Yes, uh, and I think, I think this is where, uh, without wanting to offend anyone, where yeah. the golden share of over 80% of government ownership can come into, into yeah. helping EDF, you know. I don't think, you know, I recently looked at the case of PGE in yeah. Poland. PGE is 54, uh, 57% owned by the government. When you go to their credit rating, what the rating agencies say is, we don't have a problem, it's backed by the Polish government, it's fine, mm. right? And then they have a problem with the business model, right? Mm. Mm. And so with EDF, I think it would have to be uh, the same. Now, they certainly, between the Grand Carénage, the problems they've had, delays, you know, the year-to-year the -year fluctuations or more or less hydrogen, therefore having to run their, their existing plant a bit more and so on and so forth. Can they you are, just explain what the Grand Carénage is? The Grand Carénage is a humongous program of extraordinary maintenance which is connected to you know the, all the revisions and all the work that's needed so that aging nuclear plants get approved to continue running mm -hmm. and they and you know edf has embarked in this uh wide ago i think it's meant to finish by 2025. another point we haven't discussed mm. which is related to this is not only on from the financial point of view this is taxing but for everything that has to do with nuclear finding problems devising solutions, testing them, fixing the problems. You need 
know-how in terms of the mm. engineers that mm. are going to find the problems or device solutions and so on and so forth. Mm. There's only so many, you know, that a generation of engineers has retired. I am not uh, inside EDF to know. Mm. I'm sure yeah. they're doing a, a, all they can to, to, you know, to replenish these. So that's one point, which is not directly financial, the lack of, of know-how in mm. terms of, of, of the people. And also, again, a, a, some sort of supply industry that would help them with these things, right? Because mm. maybe they find out that the solution is to put a gigantic screw somewhere, but, some, but nobody sells gigantic screws, mm. so to speak, right? <laughs> so they have to commission one, it will take three months, oops, it's going to take five months, sorry, mm. and mm. so on and so forth. This is how, why the, the delays accumulate. So all of these things also cut a little bit, you know, mm. of, 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 of the flesh. To go back a bit, I'm talking of screws, being screwed, EDF, what are the implications of um, this delay? Because we haven't really talked about when you say that nuclear is required for mm -hmm. the future. When you have all these delays and problems, what does that mean for them? Well, it can't be good. I mean, they, what do they do? They is they produce power and sell power, okay? Mm -hmm. They produce it very cheaply after having made huge investments. And so now they, want, they need to sell as much as possible. Very simple from that point of view. Mm -hmm. I think the crisis of the past few years has shown that there is, that they have resilience, okay? Mm -hmm. But as you move forward, they need to start delivering on these projects. You know, mm -hmm. markets have also shown, on one end, they're very, very sensitive to what happens in this country because mm -hmm. it is an, a power exporting country, right? So mm -hmm. if they catch a cold, you know, and they sneeze that the rest of the world uh, or the rest of the European power market feels it. But I don't think that they're at the stage like they were a couple of years back where they were very thin on the ground. They still have time. They're doing a, a good job in trying to fix the problems, but they can't afford bigger, longer delays going forward, I think, mm. especially because, and once again, we tie back to the, the financial stuff, every delay uh, is, is less money mm. in their pockets. So this isn't, so for you, this isn't a big blow. This isn't the knockout blow for the nuclear well, industry. Well, you know, you can also die from a thousand cuts, right? Mm. And so in this case, I don't, you know, if I had to pick a big blow, that would have been the one from a couple of years back, right? Where in 2016. Was, in 2016, when they had to go back and figure out from handwritten records who forged what, you know, and mm. so on and so forth, going back a couple of decades. That was a bigger blow because you could see that the, the ASN immediately moved in and rightly so managed the whole the whole process. This is is you know of the same kind. You know, um, it's not going to be gentle to to the company given the delays estimated and the amounts. You know, again counting in millions, mm. but I don't think it's as big a blow. However, it also comes from the previous blow, right? So again, there is a cumulative effect mm. here. Mm. So. Mm. There's only so much, so many blows that you that wouldn't the body want. Can yeah, feel. I mean, limit, again, yeah. would you want to be to see the glass glass half full? Then we go to China, where mm. where yes, it's on the ground. It can be done, right? The Taishan. So that's what we know. Yeah, mm. the Taishan yeah. one, yeah. right? Yeah. So we know it can be done. That's great. Or better yet, we know it can be done in China. Mm. Okay, so so here we look back to unions, for example. I don't think they have strong unions in China. I doubt it. Maybe, but but <laughs> but but. but, but, but but sticking with 2016 and what happened yes. there, we've seen also recent in recent weeks some problems emerged with steam generators at six reactors. Yeah, um, yeah so the, the, isn't that right, Chris? That's um, right. Yeah, the problems with the six reactors. We're in the middle. We're very close 
uh, or EDF, uh, sorry, ASN is very close to making a decision uh, or to announcing their decision on what will happen to these six reactors that EDF have uh, identified as having substandard welding on parts of their steam generators. You know, is it how serious is it? Does it require repairs? Does it require reactors to come offline? Maybe we'll get some answers to these questions. Uh, the safety authority, I mean, we asked actually, uh, we asked the safety authority to take part in this discussion today. They, they, they were unable to put anyone forward. But they answered some of these questions. We should hear Quite soon, by the end of the month, which is the last, uh, uh, I think was the last scheduled uh, date for us to hear. Uh, how, how serious are these issues when you compare them to what we were talking about earlier, the 2016 steam generator? What do you think, Matt? I mean, it's, the markets are very sensitive to this information as well. Yeah, they, yeah I mean, markets are sensitive because, I, I, I mean, I, I have to repeat myself, but there, there isn't a small or a simple problem, right? Mm. So... If you go look at the previous one, the content of of carbon concentration in mm. a big part of the boiler, how do you even start measuring that or finding, okay. And in this case, it seems to be a simpler problem from the outside, right? Well, mm. you know, how, how difficult could that be? Well, mm. you want to be sure you've done a good it, job, right? It wasn't easy in, and, in, in the EPR. Yeah. The welding is the issue there. And yeah, that's proved exactly, very expensive exactly, right? and cost and timely. You know. Right. So, so back to my point, there isn't a small or a simple problem no. here. So, mm. I guess that therefore maybe I have to, to to change my advice a little bit. Is potentially another big blow. Okay, mm. potentially. Let's see what the ASN says on the mm. you know now that it's their turn to to speak, so to say. Absolutely, I'm sure we'll we'll follow up again on this, Paolo, and and then I'm sure we'll we'll invite you back to discuss this in, in greater detail when we have more clarity on on the French situation. Yes. But in the meantime, thank you very much for joining the Montel podcast, uh, Paolo. You're very welcome. And you too, Chris. Thank and, you very much, Richard. And thank you, listeners. And remember, you can uh, keep up to date on all the news on montelnews.com and you can follow us on, on social media, LinkedIn. Um, and remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you very much. Goodbye.